Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show radio show, and uh, we've got Laura Nautin with us uh, today, uh, uh, a powerful uh, author uh, uh, who, who wrote a memoir called The Jaguar Man. Uh, it explores her encounter with the stranger who raped her. Uh, surprisingly, she doesn't uh, want retribution. She wants him to heal. She says that I always uh, have maintained that my right as a victim is that I get treated and he gets treated as well. Laura, thank you for being with me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, let's begin the story here. This st- started uh, with a trip to Belize. Is that right? That's right. I had a two-week vacation planned in beautiful Belize, and it was on the fourth day of that vacation that I encountered the man who I call the Jaguar Man. Um, he was pretending to be a cat. Um, well, I called him that because, you know, through the um, through the experience of of being with him in the middle of the jungle, um, of course he's a man, and I think of him that way. But I also think of him as this very powerful kind of predatory creature. Um, and jaguars are an animal that live in Belize and in the jungle, and it just seemed to maybe express more of the my emotional um, reaction to him more so than just calling him a man. Um, mm. He was a very scary creature mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. All right, so tell, so so you're in Belize after four days. Uh, how, how, he was a cab driver. Well, he was pretending to be a cab driver. I had called a cab and was waiting on the the road, and he pulled up and said, taxi, and custom there is to hop in in the front seat, which I did, and um, and he drove a little ways and then pulled a knife and said he wasn't a, a taxi driver, and he wanted my money, which I was very glad to give him, um, but then he also drove me into the jungle, and that's where the sexual assault took place. Uh, now, this took place as an event or over a period of time? This took place um, over many hours um, in the jungle with him. And um, we spent that time, he spent that time talking a lot, um, as well as uh, assaulting me um, more than once on more than one occasion. And at the end of the night, surprisingly, he drove me all the way back to my cabana where I was staying as though he were a cab driver. Uh, that is beyond amazing uh, and tragic in the same sense. Uh, why do you think he did that as a result of uh, not injuring you, perhaps even killing you if he's going to pull a knife out on you? That's a deadly weapon. Uh, and why would he send you back to where you where you are and you probably could have easily traced uh, him back to where he was 
or is, or or no? Walk me through that 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 process. Yeah. So I mean, during the, the hours that we were together, a lot of things happened. I mean, he was very violent, very aggressive, and angry, and um, and I do think that there were times when he intended to kill me, and. Honestly, I couldn't overpower him or I couldn't run, so my defense was to be kind and to try to address um, the pain that he had, was, was telling me about. He, you know, he was talking about his, the frustrations of his life and the grief of his life. And when I addressed him at, at that level, the, um, eventually that helped to dissolve his anger. And, you know, very strangely, he said at one point, but I don't want to leave you here in this place where it's not safe. And so in a very odd way, he also eventually felt the need to care for me and get me home safely, where he also then stole the rest of my money. So sort of both things were at play simultaneously. It was a very complicated situation. Clearly you're dealing with a sociopathic mind. Uh, so... What were some of his uh, uh, griefs and and heartaches that he shared with you about his? Yeah, he was in trouble with the law. He was already on the run. He had lost custody of his son, and that seemed to be the biggest grief. He kept saying over and over that he wasn't sure how he was going to live without his son. His his wife had, I guess, thrown him out of the house. He had at one point said he had considered killing himself that morning. And so he gave me a lot of information to let me know that he was he was at the very extreme of his emotional and, and psychological capacity. And, you know, I read his violence as an attempt, a wrong attempt, to try to soothe himself. Of course, it would never work, but that's how I understood what was happening. You define um, or you use the symbol of X. Uh, in the in the book, as opposed to the word rape, why is that? Yeah, I use that instead of using the word rape because, at least when I think about rape, I think about a physical act, and and although certainly the physical act is part of a sexual assault, I discovered that the ex- the experience was so much bigger than that. I mean, it also incorporated the fear and the knife and the the darkness of the jungle and and also our conversations, and, and I think of the whole thing as as the assault. Um, so I use the word X because it, it's more flexible and it can mean different things at different times. Mm-hmm. How, how old were you when this occurred, and when did this occur? I was, it was about 10 years ago, and I was in my 30s at the time, um, which I think was to my benefit. I had already lived, you know, through some other hard experiences, and and I had a sense of, um, I had a sense of myself in the world and a sense of humanity, so I wasn't a young kid, um, and I and I was able to use that, I think, to to just try to understand what I was encountering. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Did you have kids at the time, or do you have kids? Um, I I have a son, and um, he asked me about my family. He asked me if I have children or a husband, and he did try to spend time getting to know me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told him the truth most of the time. Sometimes I, you know, I, I just evaded questions as well. Mm-hmm. In the book you use, you, you, uh, even though it's a memoir, you, you kind of go into uh, myth and imagination and fiction. 
was that intentional? Yeah, very much so. Uh, when I when I first wrote the the first draft of the book, I I stayed pretty true to the memoir form, which is you know just detailing the facts of what having I had experienced. But that didn't seem to me to reach the the real truth of the of the encounter, and I found that I was able to maybe reflect my emotional landscape better on the page by going into metaphor and myth. And the myth sections are my imagined sections of the Jaguar man's life before I met him and then after we parted. Um, You know, I only know the bit, those hours that I was with him, but I became really obsessed with him uh, afterward. I wanted to know who he was and why I had ended up in his web, so to speak. So uh, because I don't have that information, I, I, I went into imagination for that. Mm. Uh, when he dropped you off and uh, back to uh, where you were staying, what was the first thing that you you did? Um, well, the first thing I did was just fall to the floor and um, and just sit in the dark. And then I had to figure out what to do next. There is not a police station in the little village where I was staying. So I decided that, um, that I would just leave the next day. And, um, so I just started gathering my things and, and preparing to go. Um, and I did, I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time and I left early the next morning and made it home late that night. What went through your mind when, um, in, in the moment between him pulling the knife out on you and thinking that it was a robbery, and then moving to uh, the rape? What went through your mind uh, when you realized this was? Yeah, I there was no question in my mind that I would be raped. I knew that, that was what was coming. Mm-hmm. What I what I didn't want to allow was to get stabbed. And so in my mind, I agreed to do whatever I had to do in order to um, not let the knife, you know, penetrate my skin. Um, Did he cut you or harm you in any way other than the rape? No, he did not. No, he did not. And that is what I will forever be thankful for. Um, Again, you know, as in the same way that there's no police station in the small village, there's no hospital. So mm. I knew that that there was no way I was going to be all right if I got cut. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, even before the rape occurred, I agreed to not fight that. You know, I agreed with myself, and I figured I'll deal with that tomorrow. That's not my most urgent, pressing concern. Um. So, you know, here we are looking at the the memoir, and I'm looking at the press release that that was sent to me, and it was amazing because you chose to show compassion and wanted uh, him to heal versus um, what one would consider to be rightfully, you know, uh, justice. Where did this come from? Well, I, I guess in the moment it came from sort of self, 
self-preservation and survival um, because that was my only defense. And then once I was no longer in his presence, it it didn't make sense to me to suddenly then become, um, you know, someone full of uh, of anger and the need for retribution or vengeance. Um, really what it did was it, it, it just made me start asking lots of questions about well, what what is the power of compassion and if it could work in a violent situation between two people, you know, in the moment of extreme uh, crisis, how, I, how can I sustain that so that I can be well? You know, it, 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 it continued to be, I guess, a measure of, of, um, of my own healing. Mm-hmm. Because I know that when I walk around with anger, um, I'm hurting myself the most. I when didn't want to give him that much power over me. Mm. Is that what you mean by rape is not a women's issue? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a big part of it. When I got back to Los Angeles, I started looking around for information and, you know, books and statistics. And I hadn't really studied rape um, very carefully before. And I felt really offended that everything I found was in the women's section and that rape was considered a women's issue because I knew that it had affected me profoundly, but I didn't think it was my issue or certainly not my responsibility to solve or to fix. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought, you know, if we applied attention to the people who are harming others and really got into into the nitty-gritty of, of who these men are, maybe we'd have a better chance at dissolving this issue if we address it at the root cause. Uh, I agree with you 100%. Now, when you came back, uh, well, you, of course, we understand, you know, in the village you got there and, and, and the next day you packed and you got back to Los Angeles. When you got back home, what happened to you? What you, you, you said you fell apart and a lot aspects of your life just completely uh, mm-hmm. fell apart. Uh, walk us through uh, what you mean by that. Yeah. I, and I guess that you know, I've seen this happen before, both in my life and in other people's, that sometimes when there's a, a, a real traumatic event, it seems as though mm-hmm. other areas of the life also have experienced a ripple effect. So it seemed as though things at my job were just falling apart. I had, I wasn't, I didn't have the same funding and the same support for the program that I had developed, and my relationship started changing. And I, I suppose it's because I was so changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I looked around. Did you around share your thought, story with and what and your event with when you got back? I mean, how did you how did you process through this? Yeah, well, the I, hospitals I or the doctors or the medical aspects of all of this? Yeah, I did all of that. My closest friend picked me up at the airport. We went straight to the emergency room. Um, and very quickly I realized this is a dysfunctional system. You know, the doctors had no idea what to do with me because the assault had happened in another country. Um, you know, so I got the physical exam, but they didn't know where to send me. They had no resources to offer. So I was really um, kind of on my own and figuring out where to get help. And it took a little while to find to find good help. Um, I went to several counselors before I found one who I could 
who was willing to understand where I was coming from with mm-hmm. the compassion. I think a lot of people just thought that I was, uh, that was part of the trauma, which maybe it was, but it was also part of the healing. So finish telling me about, you know, your life falling apart and aspects of your life falling apart. And how did you get yeah. back together? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> I believe that I have. Yeah, thank you. Um, part of it was just creating a small community of support, meaning family and, and the close friends. Um, I was not ashamed to tell people what had happened. I never thought that it was somehow my responsibility or or my burden to bear silently, which I think was helpful. Um, one of the biggest helps was I learned how to meditate, and which was not part of my life before. And in that, I, you know, it was it was um, I guess uh, an opportunity, a forced opportunity to have to sit quietly and and feel all the feelings, as awful as they were, as opposed to ignore them, which is very tempting to do. Um, I did a lot of swimming. You know, I just stayed, I just tried to get him out of my body. It felt that he, like he was trapped in there for a good long time. Um, and then I got some great spiritual counseling um, with someone who was able to help me understand compassion and love in this mm-hmm. big grand scheme. And I just started studying compassion and I figured I have a choice as to how to look at myself and him and I'm going to stick with the compassion route. Um, so for some, for many women, it, it, it takes years, if not a lifetime. And then sometimes they, they never recover in many cases. Mm-hmm. How um, how were you able to uh, become intimate again with uh, I don't know if you're uh, gay or straight, but uh, with your significant uh, with a significant other, or if you're in relationship, how did you make that transition back into intimacy uh, with another human being? Um, uh, in particular, yeah. for male, uh, uh, how how do you, how do you do that? Because every time that you, I would assume, see a man uh, in that way, that you would have a flash of 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 this jaguar man. Yeah, that's a really that's a that's a beautiful question. Um, I I don't although it was a sexual assault, I don't put it in the category of sexual activity. Um, mm. I I put it in the category of violence, mm-hmm. and so when I when I have an emotional or physical intimacy with a man, um, that's a whole other category, and I'm not thinking about this experience at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have I'm very careful to to spend time with um, with people who are gentle, mm-hmm. and it, I would not feel comfortable with someone who was really, um, you know, who had a lot of weapons, for example, or who was an aggressive personality. I think those things would be very scary. Um, Really, the only thing that has lingered is I I don't like getting in cars with people I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, cabs and and Uber and that kind of thing, that's where um, 
that's where the triggers are for me. Mm-hmm. But not in the intimacy. In fact, in many ways, this broke me open to be able to be more vulnerable and more generous with people, um, which was a, a, a nice blessing of a, of a outcome that I wouldn't have expected. Tell me about this compassion work. Um, what is compassion work? Yeah, so the way I define compassion is it's a recognition that suffering is present and then a desire for it to be relieved and also a willingness to participate in that relief. And so I've I've been learning a lot about compassion, just how it works in the the brain and in the body Mm -hmm. and, of course, how to cultivate it. Um, I actually went off to Stanford University. They have an entire center dedicated to the study of compassion that was started by some neuroscientists who were studying the effects of compassion on the brain. And they teamed with some contemplative scholars and psychologists. And so I became trained through that center um, to teach compassion cultivation. Mm. And, um, you know, and there, there are things, there are meditations that people can do and, and, um, and types of communication that, that can support uh, compassionate exchanges. So there are actual ways that we can, um, that we can practice it, like, you know, build that muscle, the compassion muscle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here you are an unfortunate role model or, or, or a role model from unfortunate circumstances for other women uh, that you have now joined uh, the ranks of being assaulted. What advice do you give um, uh, a young girl, a young woman, or a woman who has been a, who has been violently sexually assaulted, or just sexually assaulted? Period. Uh, there's obviously many levels. Yours was unbelievably uh, scary. What counsel do you do you give them uh, to to come back to some sense of normalcy? Yeah. Gosh, you know, for every for every person of any gender who's harmed like this, I, I, it's a very personal path. But I would say that one thing that that might be helpful would be to learn to be self compassionate, and that was one of the hardest things for me too. You know, to to allow um, to allow the fear to be present, to allow the anger to be present, to not try to skip over these things. Um, but to find somebody, if possible, in 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 a, you know in their life who can hold their hand through it, um, you know, and there's no shame in being a victim or a survivor. There's, it, and it, I think that's where a lot of people get very stuck is thinking that they somehow did something wrong. Um, and you know, it's it's one thing to t- say that to somebody, and it's a far other. Thing for someone to believe it. Mm. Um, so I just think you know, all we can do is be kind to each other and just love each other up um, somehow, some way. Start wherever it is that we are. I wish there was a, a formula and a path, um, but I found that recovery is not linear. It's it's a messy, slippery process, and um, it can change from minute to minute. And I think. Maybe that's the best counsel I could give is just to breathe through it 
mm-hmm. you know, because the next minute might feel different and it might feel better, and mm-hmm. hopefully it will. What advice is, is this? You know, might sound oxymoronic, but what advice would you give to a uh, to an assailant, to someone who is doing and has committed sexual assault? Yeah, I think my advice would be very similar. Um, it would be I, first. I would say that I do think that he deserves to be well. I also think that being well starts with take, being accountable and taking responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I think it's mm-hmm. very very difficult for people who have harmed other people to get help because I'm not sure where they even go. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, the help isn't happening in the prisons. You know, and um, but I would but I would say that asking for help somewhere safe is the first step, and learning how to um, learning how to manage anger and frustration and grief um, is critical for not harming other people. And how they do that, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. that we all need to do it together. That I'm sure of. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Do you do you uh, uh, pro- provide like group counseling and you know how can uh, I mean I, I would assume the one reason of writing this memoir was was a catharsis. I would assume another reason would be is is to uh, help uh, both uh, those uh, victims of of sexual assault and those who have sexually assaulted. Uh, mm-hmm. to to heal uh, are, are you just doing that from the perspective of read the book and go through the process in there and 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 and, and heal or do you have some kind of other facilitation that that you do to work with people uh abroad and and uh within your uh, current space yeah there are different parts to that the, the book is one thing um but i also teach compassion workshops and um, and I also teach compassion and writing workshops so, so that people can start to um, document their own experiences, their own stories through a compassionate lens. Ultimately, what I would really like to do, and I have not figured out how, is I'd really love for the Jaguar Man to be read um, by a group of convicted sex offenders and then to be able to participate in a discussion and in in the compassion training with that group. Um, I I keep putting it out there, figuring that, you know, the more I say it, somehow, some way, I will figure out how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there really is not a lot of help um, for these men. And, you know, and for the people who have been harmed as well. So I think it's... it's, um, there are some services out there, and they ought to be utilized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can people get in contact with you? And obviously, they can get the book, um, uh, you know, on Amazon. But if if someone's interested in 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 a compassion compassion uh, um, uh, workshop uh, and learning how to write about uh, their events uh, in their lives, how do they how do they do that? Uh, they can go right to my website, and that's laranaughton.com, um, and there will be links to, um, you know, to all the different things that I do there. 
and a way to contact me. And I really welcome that. You know, I, I welcome people to communicate with me directly and ask questions or make requests. Uh, Laura, you are um, an incredibly strong uh, gift uh, to this world. I am sorry that you had to become a gift through the means in which you have become this gift. But nonetheless, you are a gift. And I honor you and thank you for, uh, in, if, if, if ever there is a truer statement of turning lemons into lemonade, sister, you have done that. Mm. So I, I honor well, you and thank you for that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for those kind words. I appreciate it. You're an amazing woman. You're an amazing woman. Uh, and I would love for you to come back on the show and, and let's talk about uh, aspects of compassion and, 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 and some practical applications of it. Great. Let's do it. Fantastic. Thank you for being with me today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. 